Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. It's your boy, Bushman. And today I'm hanging out with Daryl Dawsey, Wayne State Associate Communications Director. Daryl Dawsey currently serves as Associate Communications Director in the Office of Marketing and Communications. How are you doing this morning? I'm great, Bushman. How are you doing? I am blessed and highly favored. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Thanks for being on. So let's talk about this. What impact has Wayne State University made on improving graduation rates? Well, graduation rates. Well, we've done a we've done I think a, a pretty admirable job. We've seen our, our numbers go up uh, considerably over the last few years. You know, we have uh, we've always want to get the numbers up higher, but uh, we've seen some uh, some pretty good increases uh, in, in in recent years in terms of both graduation and enrollment numbers. You know, we're doing a great job of bringing people in through some of the programs that we, we've got. Uh, we've seen uh, we've seen improvements in our graduation rates uh, steadily over the last few years. Uh, we're, we're expecting that, obviously, the numbers are going to continue to go up. Um, you know, we're coming out of, the, out of the pandemic, like most universities, and so, you know, we're doing everything we can to make sure we're getting our students prepared and into, uh, into the university and enrolled this fall so that, you know, we can continue to see some of the numbers that how are things looking for the fall? Things are looking good. Things are looking good. Um, you know, like a lot of institutions here in uh, here in Michigan, we are um, uh, uh, we're, we're coming off of a, a tough time with the pandemic. Um, we had to uh, we had to close off uh, campus and, and courses for a while. Um, just like a lot of you know responsible universities, we had to make sure that we're caring for our students, for our faculty and staff, and for the community around us. And so we were, we had gone to uh, remote courses uh, over the last. Uh, over the last year, um, but we are uh, reopening. We're reopening. We're, we're, we're coming back. Um, we're expecting most of our students to uh, to be back if they if they haven't graduated. We are expecting some, uh, like I said before, some really great increases uh, in terms of enrollment. Uh, we had uh, one of the largest becoming freshman classes in our history uh, a couple of years back, and so you know we're we're we're, we're trying to make sure that we are uh, we're, we're matching those numbers and trying to exceed those numbers. We had a, a, an African American Pidiac class, uh, first time uh, in uh, in any college, that was about fifty five percent, increased by about fifty five percent over twenty nineteen. So we're constantly trying to make sure that we're increasing those numbers. Wayne State is an urban research institution right here in the heart of Detroit, and you know we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can that we should be doing to make sure we're extending opportunities to everybody uh, you know here in the city uh, and beyond. Um, we got the Heart of Detroit Tuition Pledge, which I don't know if you're familiar with, but it's a it's a great program that offers free tuition for graduates of the Detroit High School or Detroit residents earning a high school diploma. Um, we are uh, happy about the numbers that we're seeing uh, in terms of students who are coming into the program. Uh, we've got a lot of kids who are uh, uh, enrolling for the first time in college through the program. And as you may know, uh, the students who enroll will have zero out-of-pocket expenses for tuition and standard fees for up to four times full-time study at Wayne State. So anything that we can do to make sure that we are elevating the community, to make sure that we are providing access to uh, higher education, access to the research that we do, uh, we're, 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 we're big on. 
we uh, we do a lot of stuff in terms of uh, health programs. Uh, we do uh, uh, mobile. We're doing mobile coronavirus testing. Uh, we do work with uh, pediatrics out of our uh, our, our uh, Wayne State uh, Pediatric Center. We uh, we're vaccinating our students and our, our campus community. We just kicked off the uh, Great Grocer Project. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's where we're connecting uh, you know, communities that have been hit hard uh, by you know food deserts and food shortages with, you know, grocers in our community who are interested in making sure that people have quality access to uh, affordable, healthy food. So, you know, we've just got a lot of a lot of great stuff going on in the community that we're really excited about. Man, you are hyper-inundated with a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> hyper-inundated is, uh, actually, that, that, that's almost an understatement. <laughs> uh, but, man, we, we, we definitely have a lot. We have a lot going on, and, uh, you know, we're really we're really excited about uh, about the future. Um, like I said, this has been a, a tough time for a lot of folks in the community. We know that. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got some great programs. Uh, we, we're doing some great stuff over the summer. So, you know, I mean, this is just a great time to be at Wayne State, a great time to be in the city of Detroit, uh, and a great time to be a part of something that's uh, that's on the upswing. Well, I appreciate it. Again, thank you so much. And uh, let's talk again sometime real soon. Looking forward to it, Bushman. Thank you. All right, Daryl. Have a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Here's Frankie Darcel with Talk of the Town. Welcome to this edition of Talk of the Town with Frankie Darcel, a public service of iHeartMedia Detroit. We welcome your questions and comments. Join us on Facebook, Twitter, and IG pages. Now here's your host, Frankie Darcel. And good morning. My name is Frankie Darcel. Welcome to this edition of Sunday Talk of the Town, talking about issues important to you, your community, and your family. So this week, the conversation about mental illness back on the forefront when tennis great Naomi Osaka chose not to do press conferences and back out of a major tournament where now we should have the conversation once again about mental illness. I am so excited to be joined by Kevin Fisher. He is the executive director for NAMI Michigan, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, 650 chapters around the country and here in our region and the state of Michigan. And we know that through this pandemic, through this time, it has been really challenging. And I identifying those mental health concerns that some folks might have. First of all, Kevin, it is always good to talk to you. Always good to have you on the show. And so glad as we launch Now Sunday Talk of the Town each and every week that you will be joining us from time to time to talk about the importance of talking about mental health, not only here in our region, but across the state and around the country and around the world. So thank you for joining me for Talk of the Town. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to spend time with you. All right. Now, Kevin, first of all, just tell people who you are and what you do for NAMI Michigan and the services that they provide. So I am the executive director for NAMI Michigan, and NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, the nation's largest grassroots mental health organization that's purely dedicated to improving the lives of anyone affected by mental illness. So not just the person who's living with a diagnosis, but for their family, caregivers, community. We touch any and everything that affects, that has been affected by mental illness. Mm -hmm. And I've been in this role for seven years officially. I've been a NAMI member for a little over 10 years. Uh, I came to NAMI in 2010, uh, shortly after my son, who was diagnosed uh, bipolar schizophrenic in 2007. Unfortunately, we lost him to suicide in June of 2010. 
Mm-hmm. So I came to NAMI looking for a resource, really trying to understand mental illness and suicide better, trying to manage my own grief because through that process, um, and, and it's something I'm sure we'll talk about later, but through that process, I did not handle the grief of losing a child very well, and I came very close to taking my own life a year after I lost my son. So it, it is a it's a difficult conversation to have, but it's one that we need to and, and that I... I cherish the opportunity to have because I want to help somebody else hopefully not end up where I ended up. Um, yeah. So it's been a long journey. Let's talk about your son. His name is Dominic. And you you said something, and as many times as we had a conversation, I did not know. Literally a year later, you thought about your own life. Can you talk about Dominic and how you came to NAMI? So Dominique, you know, was just a wonderful child. Dominique gave his mom and I so little trouble, um, great student athlete, great personality, did not show any symptoms of mental illness that we noticed until it was a crisis. Uh, Dominique was a sophomore in college. He was 20 years old, which is a critical time for many young people who are diagnosed with mental illness. Uh, came home one weekend and was uh, for Thanksgiving break 2007 and was just rambling about taking over the world and talking to God and those grandiose thoughts that we had never heard from him before. And quite frankly, Frankie, we assumed that maybe he went off to school and experimented with drugs. So we took him to the hospital, got him diagnosed. And uh, when the doctors came out, they said there's no drugs or alcohol in the system, but we're going to put him on a 72-hour psych hold. Mm -hmm. And that was like hitting a brick wall at 1,000 miles an hour. We just never saw that coming. You, You know, we went from this great kid to this great crisis. And what we quickly realized is we knew nothing about mental illness. We knew nothing about the mental health care system. We didn't understand what providers, what treatment was available, what his life was going to look like going forward. And, you know, I tell people over the three years that we were on that journey with him, I felt like I was in quicksand. It seemed like the harder I fought, the deeper I sank. And every time we thought we made two steps forward, we take 10 steps back. And when we lost Dominique in 2010, early that year, we thought we were on the right track. He was responding to his treatment well, his medication. He was working. He wanted to go back to school. But he was doing so well, and this is typical. He was doing so well that he decided, I don't need the medication anymore. I don't need to go to the doctor anymore. Mm -hmm. I can do this on my own. And what ended up happening happens to so many. He ended up self-medicating. And so... Uh, He was schizophrenic, so he would hear voices. And the voices came back, and he would self-medicate with uh, marijuana and alcohol to drive the voices away, not realizing that he was just making the situation worse. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, on June 27th of 2010, he just quietly dismissed himself from his mom's kitchen, and she thought he had gone off to a church down the street. And uh, about six, eight hours later, she discovered his body. He had hung himself in the basement. So, again, I came to NAMI looking for help myself. Um, I, I did not realize at the time, Frankie, of course, you don't know what you don't know, but I was exhibiting all the classic symptoms of somebody who was expe- experiencing suicidal ideation. I was struggling with the grief and the loss, and I'd gone to see a therapist, and I joined a uh, help group for a uh, national organization for um, parents who've lost children. I was trying to do all the right things, and I was just sinking deeper into this really deep depression. And I got to a point where I literally said, Lord, if you can't 
stop this, I have to, because I can't get up tomorrow and go through this again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I literally planned my suicide. I I gone to the lawyers and got my affairs in order, and I sat some things around I wanted my other children to have, and I was in, in a, uh, I'd just gotten remarried, and I decided I was going to go to his grave site one last time on the anniversary, uh, uh, first anniversary of his death, and I wasn't going to come home. I had a loaded gun in, in the small of my back, and I wasn't coming home. And at what moment did you say, this is not your thing to do, or did someone intervene? My wife intervened. Um, my wife, Sonia, is my absolute rock. Uh, she, you know, she always told me, I don't know what you're going through. I've never lost a child. I, you know, she said, all I can do is be here for you. I don't even know what that means, but I just want you to know that I'm here. And Sonia was very respectful of the fact that I would go every Friday and visit uh, Dominique's gravesite alone. I would drop her off to get her hair done. Uh, on Friday evenings, and I go spend a couple hours at the uh, cemetery. And on the anniversary of his death, again, I had my plan, and without saying a word to me, I noticed Sonia wasn't getting up and getting dressed for work that morning. And I said, so, you know, what's the deal? And she says, well, I'm going to spend today with you. And I said, no, today's going to be a bad day, and I really need to be alone. And she said, I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Wow. I'm not going to allow you to be alone today. So we gathered our lawn chairs and my Bible, as I normally did, and I went out there, and I prayed and cried. And I literally said, you know, God, clearly I won't do this in front of her, but I can come back tomorrow. And and God told me, Kevin, you asked me for help, and I sent it to you. All you got to do is take her hand. And it changed my life. It changed the trajectory of everything that I'm able to do now. Um, and, and she's been my absolute rock. So I, I truly, you know, I know God saved me, but he used her to do it. Amen. Listen, I just want to say to the listening audience that I have uh, been working with and talking with Kevin over the last year or so and through COVID. And let me just say how much... My my heart, you know, for what you have dealt with, but your courage for getting involved in NAMI, telling your story too often with mental illness. And when people talk about their own challenges or when people deal with their own challenges, they are afraid because of stigmas or the judgment not to talk about it. Not only did you deal with this grief at the loss of your son, you dealt with your own and you're sharing this story today and it's going to help a number of people who are listening. So let me just say to you how much I admire your courage for telling your story and it's going to help others. That's so important, Kevin. Well, thank you. And, you know, I have to say, this is as selfish as it is selfless of me. Um, This work that NAMI has allowed me to do has been my therapy. This is my purpose. This is why I get up in the morning is because I want to be able to help somebody else. Um, I, I love my friend, Pastor Myber, Marvin Wyman's song, You Just Don't Want to Know. And I tell people all the time, you really don't want to know what I deal with every day. It's hard. It hurts. It's been 11 years, and it hurts like it was yesterday, but it's worth it, Frankie, because I want, you know, God is my witness. I want to prevent somebody else from experiencing this. Let's, Nobody should know this. Let's, let's use today as well as an opportunity to do just that. What advice first in two parts? One, parents that are uh, right now uh, experiencing a child that is dealing with some mental health illnesses, and you talked about your son. It was during that college time, and I can tell you my daughter, who was in a very uh, competitive uh, 
uh, academic environments her freshman and sophomore year. I kept wanting, and I talked to her every day, to have a head check with her and ask, are you okay? Because it got intense, and she was there on her own, and she would call me stressed out. And I had the conversation with her. I said, listen, one, if you ever feel like you need to make a change, I want you to know that I support you. No question asked in whatever decision that you make. Because she said to me, Mom, I just want to do well, and I want to do well for you. I said, no, we're going to do well for you first. I say that to say that because I know of people whose children have committed suicide, and I just wanted to be that parent that listened. You know, Frankie, and you and I have had this conversation before. You're doing what I would ask any parent to do. You ask what advice I have. Listen to your kids and listen to your gut. Far too often, we parents don't listen to our kids because we know it's a competitive world. And we think we're doing the right thing by pushing our children. And sometimes, even without saying it, our kids know mom and dad are sacrificing for me. You know, mom and dad, you know, we hear it all the time. Mom's working two jobs. Dad's working three jobs so I can have this opportunity to go to school. And so kids put themselves under an enormous amount of pressure. We have to listen to them. We need to do exactly what you're doing with your daughter. Parents, proactively call your kids and say, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. Not, not physically okay. Are, are you okay mentally? Uh, we need to do that because the stigma of mental illness, you know, mental illness is such a taboo conversation. And Frankie, mm-hmm. Stigma is the leading barrier that prevents people from seeking the help they need. We can have the conversation about the lack of resources. Um, You know, we don't have enough psychiatric hospitals. We don't have enough behavioral health professionals. We're not investing enough money in it. All of that's true. But if we don't eliminate the stigma, that's step number one. So your daughter will raise her hand and say, you know, Mom, I'm glad you asked because I'm not feeling myself. I'm not feel you know, I'm feeling some kind of way. I've been in this dark place for a while and I need some help. So clearly being open, watching and, and Kevin not judging. And and the question became, look, whatever decision you make, I'm going to support you. Um she was able to get over that hump and she said, you know, I just overwhelmed myself. I was taking twenty one credits a semester. Wait, do what's within reason. Now, Kevin, you talked about the one aspect in terms of having a child and what we do and what we should do to look for signs. How did you deal with it as a parent? What advice would you give to parents right now? You know, when when we got the diagnosis for Dominique, Frankie, I was so afraid that stigma never really played a role for me. Mm-hmm. It was, how do I help this child? And, and I was blessed that I had a good relationship with my children growing up. So I was fearless in what do I need to do to help him protect him? And and so whatever bit of information I could get, uh, I, I just chased after it and said, is this going to help him? So I, looking back, I was never ashamed of, I was never judgmental of him. I said, this is where we are. And actually, I think I helped him accept his diagnosis because it was really difficult for him um, to accept that. But he knew and you know, it was, we're in this together. Yeah, because, you know, there are some parents that go into denial. Oh, we're going to do it this yeah. way. That, or I'm not going to go into denial. I don't want to give them that because there's a level of guilt for the parent as well, you think? It very much is so. And, I, and I'll say this, Frankie, us dads are the worst. We are the absolute worst because we have this protect and 
you know, gene in us. And, and a lot of fathers really struggle with accepting it because we think it's a flaw that we passed on to our children. This couldn't happen to my son. He's supposed to be perfect. He's going to be the all-American, you know, boy. And we, we really struggle with that. The other part of it is those of us who are of faith, we struggle with it. And we think we can, and I hate using the terms together, just pray it away. I am a person, I'm a believer, and I'm a person of, uh, who believes in the power of prayer. But I also believe that just as God gave us cardiologists and gynecologists and oncologists, he also gave us psychiatrists, psychologists, social workers to help us with this because we can't just pray this away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, how should families deal with this? And one of the things I want to do with Talk of the Town as well, for as much as we have these very difficult conversations from time to time, I want to give people um, tools to be able to help them as well. So as we move forward, what do you suggest? What do you say to people right now that are dealing with some of even their own stressors as we've gotten through uh, COVID? We know that people have lost their jobs and there's been a lot uh, that people have been dealing with along the way. What would you say to people just about managing? the stress in your life through COVID? So through COVID, when we talk about stress, anxiety, depression, which are relatively common, most people really just need to talk. Most people just need to be heard. Uh, Most people need to understand that it's not just me. I'm not the only one who can't make the mortgage payment or I I can't get the, you know, sneakers or iPhone my my child wants. Most people just need to get it off your chest. Mm -hmm. But if you find yourself in this place where you are feeling depressed for two weeks or more, or you're feeling that anxiety, or you're starting to experience suicidal thoughts, do not be afraid or ashamed to reach out to a behavioral health professional. If it was a physical injury, if you were having shortness of breath, or if your knee were hurting, you wouldn't have any problem going to urgent care or calling your doctor. We need to take care of our mental health the very same way and and go get an evaluation and don't be afraid. Not everybody's going to be on medication, but if that's what the doctor prescribes for you and you're comfortable, follow the doctor's diagnosis and get the help that you need. Don't cheat yourself because you're ashamed that the people you work with or your neighbor or the person you sit next to at church is going to find out about it. Yeah. You're cheating yourself. How do you recommend or what do you recommend to uh, an individual who is potentially looking at someone they care about, someone that they love, and they believe they're starting to deal with some mental health issues? What would you suggest they do first? You know, people are going to think this sounds corny, but Frankie, you go to them and you say, you know what? You're, and I, I've had this conversation with guy friends of mine. You are my boy. You are my brother. And I'm telling you I'm concerned about you. I'm telling you I see something that concerns me. And I'm asking you to let you let me help you. Mm-hmm. And if that means I make an appointment for you and go with you, that's what we do. If that means that you just need to open up and talk, I'm here for you. That's what people need to hear. They need to hear that they're not alone and that there's somebody who cares about them and they don't need to feel ashamed about it. But if it goes further, if you think a person, uh, and we have to ask this directly, which is really hard. If you think a person is potentially suicidal, you have to ask them. You have to ask them directly. You can't beat around the bush and say, well, Kevin, you're not thinking of hurting yourself. Or, you know, that's stupid. You have to say, Kevin, have you considered suicide? Mm. Be right. that direct. You have to be that direct, frankly, because studies show that when you're direct, 
most people will answer you honestly. If you come at it in a sheepish fashion, if you say, oh, Kevin, you're not thinking about that, are you? I'm going to say no because I know you're not ready to hear the answer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if my wife says, Kevin, you okay? Kevin, you thinking about killing yourself? More likely than not, I will say yes. And if you get that yes, that's significant because... You don't want to leave me alone. You don't want to say, well, Kevin, I think you should get some help. You say, no, Kevin, I'm going to take you to get some help, and I'm going to make sure that there's no lethal means available to you. I'm going to make sure you don't have access to a gun or, you know, uh, heavy medications or anything, but I'm going to take you to get help, and I'm going to sit there with you. One of the things that I did with my son that I know he appreciated, even though he didn't like it sometimes, I didn't send him to his doctor appointment. Dominique saw, received some form of treatment four days a week. I quit my job, and I went with him. I didn't drop him off at the door. I walked in and sat in the lobby because I was like, I'm not going to let you go in the front door and sneak out the back. Mm -hmm. uh, it's important because he understood that I was in it with him. Yes, yes, yes. Now, let's let's talk about making this transition as we get ready to wrap up. We just have uh, a few more minutes. We live in a society now where we want to make sure we use the proper terms. What are some of the terms we used to use and they've been replaced with what? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, clearly, some of the easy ones is we don't refer to people as crazy. We don't refer to people as retarded. Um, we don't even call people consumers anymore because that means you're taking from society. Uh, if a person is in need of mental health um, care, then we refer to them as a client or a person who's receiving services. We don't say people committed suicide because, believe it or not, suicide is not a crime. Mm. And when we say committed, it is as if you committed a crime. We say a person died by suicide. Mm. Um, so those are a couple of the easy terms to think about. And, and, you know, the other thing, Frankie, is we have to get away from the stigma. We have to eliminate the stigma associated with mental illness because, again, it's the first step. It's the initial barrier that people have to overcome to begin that road of receiving. Well, what can we do? What can we do as lay people to help eliminate stigma? One, definitely knowing the proper terms to use, but what can we do to help eliminate the stigma individually? Talk about it. Okay. Doing mm -hmm. You know, doing exactly what we're doing right now, but we should be doing this at the breakfast table or the dinner table with our families. We need to talk about it. Talking about our mental health should be as common as talking about our physical health. When we talk about, uh, you know, getting an annual physical, we talk to uh, the women in our lives about getting their annual mammograms. We should be talking about getting mental health checkups as well 
Uh, and, and the more we talk about it, the more we normalize the conversation, which eliminates the stigma. Nobody's ashamed anymore. Wow. Kevin Fisher, executive director for NAMI Michigan, National Alliance on Mental Illness, 650 chapters around the country. Uh, and of course, he is the executive director of NAMI here in Michigan. Um, talk about, before we go, the Dominique Fisher Foundation, what you guys are doing. It's a nonprofit, a 501c3, uh, and how it's supporting NAMI and people who are in need of services. So we started the foundation, of course, when we lost Dominique, and I and I had a very small plan, and it was to initially fund a scholarship at his alma mater high school, Detroit Catholic Central High School. Once I joined NAMI, I realized I could contribute much more in a broader way in a broader community. So part of the funds we raised go to the scholarship. Part of the funds would go to NAMI and other organizations like the Compassionate Friends, um, um, and a number of other organizations. What we've recently done is my wife and I have launched an online store, a brand uh, simply called Everybody Versus Stigma, and it's everybodyversusstigma.com because at the end of the day, we want to eliminate the stigma of mental illness, and it's a really cool way for somebody to, you know, see somebody in Costco, and I've, I've been doing this. Somebody will stop me in Costco and say, well, what is Everybody Versus Stigma? And then I start the conversation, and the truth is everybody knows somebody who's been affected by mental illness or suicide. Mm -hmm. So it's really that simple. And then Everybody Versus Stigma helps us fund the Dominique um, Memorial Foundation and all of the other things like NAMI that we support. All right, great. Now, can you give people the information on if they're interested in services or finding out more about the National Alliance on Mental Illness? Please go, simply go to NAMI.org. NAMI.org. There are more than 650 affiliates across the country. All of the programs that we offer to individuals are at no cost. And NAMI is an absolutely phenomenal resource for people who want to understand mental illness, want to understand how to be a caregiver, want to understand what resources are available to them and how to access them. NAMI is the single you know, organization that I absolutely fell in love with because it's just such a great resource. So NAMI's number one signature program is Family to Family. And Family to Family is a great resource because it helps family members understand what a diagnosis means, what their loved one is experiencing with that diagnosis, how you can best help them, and equally as important, how you can help yourself be a better caregiver. Uh, a second program that I would uh, call on is Ending the Silence. It is a program that's specifically for junior and senior high school students. It is a uh, stigma reduction program, but it also has components for teaching professionals, for parents, and administrators. Uh, because 50% of all lifetime cases of mental illness onset uh, between the ages of 14 and 24. All right, great. Kevin Fisher, my guest, thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you do and the story that you tell. I appreciate you being on Sunday Morning Talk of the Town. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Kevin. Thank you. You know, before we go, just some quick statistics from the Center for Disease Control. Over 15% of adults experience symptoms of anxiety that were either mild, moderate, or severe. And this is just in the 
past two weeks, uh, based on this data, during 2019, now 84.4% of adults, these are adults between the age of 18 and over, uh, experienced no or minimal symptoms of anxiety in the past two weeks or so, based on this same data. Among those adults, 9.5% experienced mild 3.4% experience moderate and 2.7% experience severe symptoms of anxiety. I say that to you to say this, that we're in a very tough time and for some tougher than others. If you or someone that you know feels that you need help, please reach out to someone, get help, reach out to organizations like NAMI and others. Please just don't do nothing for each of us to take care of one another. I am Frankie Darcel. I want you to have a great day on purpose. We'll do it again next Sunday, discussing those topics important to you, the community, and your family. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Talk of the Town with Frankie Darcel. The comments and opinions expressed on this show are those of the guests and not iHeartMedia or its management. Join us again next Sunday for Talk of the Town. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.